0: This week on the THS College Counseling Podcast, we are joined by Tira Briggs, the Vice President for Admission and Financial Aid at Harvey Mudd College, one of the five undergraduate institutions that make up the Claremont College Consortium in Claremont, California. Tira has been at this profession for 28 years and brings a wealth of knowledge to the table. And to make this conversation even more interesting, the first half of her career was spent at Sarah Lawrence, a very not STEM, very progressive, very open curriculum institution. Now she finds herself at a STEM-only institution with a very specific curriculum. Harvey Mudd is the second Claremont Consortium College I've featured on this podcast, the first being Scripps, which was on episode three. But Mudd is quite unlike any other college in the consortium, or the country for that matter. There are only seven departments and 10 majors, all of them in science, engineering, or math. However, unlike most STEM-focused programs, there is an emphasis also on the humanities, social sciences, and the arts, very typical of a liberal arts program. The HSA requirements, as they are called, often lead students to take a substantial amount of classes off campus at one of the other undergraduate institutions. So imagine what your stereotype is of an engineering student, and then imagine them taking a gender and sexuality course at the all women's college across the street to satisfy their HSA requirements. Enough for me, here's the conversation. But on a side note, Tira's connection wasn't great, so the audio quality is subpar. Enjoy! So, I would like to um, maybe start off with just um, giving you a quote that I'm probably going to botch, but I'm just curious uh, sort of a prompt for you to speak to. Uh, and that is, um, it was a, a gentleman by the name of Alvin Toffler, who wrote a book called uh, Future Shock back in the 70s, mm-hmm. um, but very prescient. Um, and at some point he said, the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn mm-hmm. and relearn. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe you could speak to that a little bit, not only uh, in your work with, with MUD and as an admissions professional, but also yeah. maybe in your own life.
1: Sure. I mean, I, I, that I've completely resonates with, with sort of with what has been my experience, and I think particularly with MUD and sort of why we, sort of why we educate the way we do. I mean, we know we only offer majors in math, science, and engineering. You know, our overlap institutions are not anything like us, meaning that it's MIT and Caltech and Stanford right. and these large research universities. Um, but one of the things that really makes us, uh, we were actually just talking about this with a trustee five minutes ago, one of the things that distinguishes us and makes us so successful is the fact that there is no shelf life in a Harvey Mudd degree because they have to, they're not educated narrowly, 30% or more of their curriculum are gonna be in the humanities, social sciences, and the arts. Um, This idea of, you know, the whole, the line that we always tell students that the vast majority of careers that you will enter have not even been invented yet, Right. So our job is to make sure that they know how to learn, not that they know how to learn, you know, one specific field of engineering, for example. And it's actually why at Harvey Mudd we have a we have a general engineering degree. Like you don't major in mechanical engineering or civil right. engineering; you just major in engineering. And that's exactly why, because how do you possibly prepare an engineer for a world that hasn't even doesn't even exist yet? Right. Um, and the fact that Harvey Mudd was doing this in 1955 when we were founded. Because of our incredible, the incredible foresight of our first president, the idea was that um, every problem you solve in engineering is going to be interdisciplinary, so you can't be narrowly educated in one field. So this idea of whatever we're going to teach you to do, we're going to teach you how to learn. Right. And we're going to make sure that you're going to be able to move as the technology moves, that you're going to be able to move um, as different subjects are introduced. Um, One of my favorite examples of this was an alum um, who was doing a postdoc at uh, UCLA. And I guess they had a a sort of a a circle of cubicles where all the postdocs were working. And a phone call essentially came into cubicle number one. And it was this is a postdoc program in math. um, And it was a chemical engineering company that wanted someone to do mathematical modeling for them. And apparently it got bumped to like five different people before it hit this Harvey Mudd alum. Cause they were like, what do I know about chemical engineering? I didn't major in chemistry. I didn't major in engineering. And it got to the Harvey Mudd alum. who was like, yeah, you know, core curriculum. I studied everything. I can figure this out. And it ended right. up being an incredibly lucrative, <laughs> a lucrative thing for him. Um, so I yeah. think that's, you know, that's sort of the way it, it impacts mud. Right. Um, you know, I think personally for me, part of it, and this, this ex- whole experience of COVID-19 is a perfect example. I mean, I feel like I should, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I feel like there've been years in the admission world in my time, this is year 28 for me, I think doing this, where you could kind of coast, right. you know, there's a formula, things work, yeah. you admit students, the right number comes, you know, you try to figure out sort of different things that keep things current. But then you hit something like this where everything you thought you knew isn't relevant anymore yeah. or, you know, none of your models can do anything with this. And so it's this idea again of relearning the key pieces of your job and relearning now what we don't know what's going to be relevant to students in two months right? or let alone two weeks as we're waiting for waitlist students to respond. Yeah. They have totally different concerns than the students we admitted in March. So I think it's, it's absolutely that kind of piece too. And the other relearning thing for me, is that I went to Connecticut College. I was a religious studies major and a child development major. I was one of those students who had a horrendous experience with one math class in high school and decided I wasn't good at it. <laughs> you <do>? Yes. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I right. when I first, I knew I, my husband wanted to live in Southern California when I started looking for jobs out here I wasn't really even looking but this job came up and when I first heard it was Harvey Mudd I said oh my gosh like it's the math science one <laughs> <laughs>
0: of course and,
1: and it was terrifying like how yeah. am I going to talk about these things that where I've always felt so insecure about it how am I going to talk about these things in a way that can be as exciting for students who are so excited about it and for me this has been an entire exercise and in, in relearning what matters and relearning language right. Um, and and how to connect with students who who don't speak the same language you do in right. many cases in terms of math science language.
0: Well, I think it probably speaks a lot to the institutional priorities um, actually because I, I I'm sure I'm certain because um, I was thinking about this before uh, you know coming trying to prepare a little bit mentally for this conversation. Mm. You know, one of the questions was going to be you know yeah why mud over someplace like Caltech or, you know, or Georgia Tech or something that's really uh, specifically focused, but not really why. I, I know that it's not a fair question. It's more what right. kind of student is a good mm-hmm. fit for each of these respective institutions. Um, but I would say for, in terms of their higher view, they have obviously wanted someone who could really impart the value of the liberal arts component mm-hmm. of MUD, versus someone who's just a technician that can speak to the engineering side. Because um, right. you're already gonna get all those students, I would imagine. Um, no. I don't know if that, I, I, so the Sarah Lawrence, I'm just, if you want to speak to that really quick, <laughs> sure. you couldn't have picked a different institution I to know. jump to. Uh, I think uh, people maybe, say I did
1: the biggest 180 degree turn within liberal arts education.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, so, but how is it, how has your time at Lawrence, Sarah Lawrence served you in this role?
1: Oh, incredibly well. I mean, I still, one of our, one of my cabinet colleagues, our CFO loves to talk about the the sort of job talk I gave because I pointed out that there were actually an incredible number of similarities between the two institutions. They are both adamantly not trying to be everything to everyone. Right. You know, Neither Sarah Lawrence nor Harvey Mudd is a one size fits all by any stretch. Um, at Sarah Lawrence, we spent a lot of years trying to boost the population of men because it was predominantly women. At Harvey Mudd, we've tried to do exactly the opposite and tried to boost the population <laughs> of men because we're predom- or because, women because we're right. predominantly men. Right. Um, And that both of them really appeal to students who want to throw themselves into the work that they're doing. Um, But both of them also have to appeal to students who want to think broadly. Right. Whether they want to study broadly is different because I think at Sarah Lawrence, you know, we didn't have a core curriculum, we didn't have majors, we didn't have requirements. So students could choose if they wanted to really focus in on something. At Harvey Mudd, even though you have to be certain that you want to, for the most part, that you want to major in something in the STEM fields, yeah. you also have to be equally certain that you want to do that in a liberal arts education. Yeah. So again, right. as we're watching our waitlisted students turn us down for places, someone just told us the other day, I'm going to go to Carnegie Mellon because I want to jump right into computer science and that's what I want to do. Yeah. But perfect. That's fine because that's not what you're going to do. You're going to right. take a computer science course in the first semester, but that's it, just one. Right.
0: Um, I'm curious if you, if you could just talk really quickly about um, what, what the program looks like now. I'm coming in for sort mm-hmm. of first year through the, through the senior year last year.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting, actually, because just last week, our faculty are vote, were voting on changing our core curriculum. And you know, anyone who's worked at a college knows that's a huge, huge enterprise. And it's actually taken us three years to get to a place where we're just about finalizing it. But in general, the way the, the curriculum works at Harvey Mudd is you spend your first three semesters doing a core curriculum. You study in every single department that we offer, which is seven. So it's not like we're 50, but it's seven departments. Yeah. Um, and you also take a course called Writ One, which is a writing intensive seminar with only eight students and one professor or 16 students and two professors. And then you take a course called um HSA 10, which is a critical HSA for us as Humanities, Social Sciences and Arts. And that's a critical thinking course. And you do have an elective um, every single semester within that, but most of it is pretty prescribed. Um, It's not all exactly the same courses because students may come in at a different level, but it's three semesters of fairly prescribed courses. Um, And then after that, you move on to your major. um, But again, we have uh, 10 different majors all math, science, and engineering. And then you have that third of your curriculum or so, which is the humanities, social sciences, and the arts. And within that, every student declares a concentration, essentially just short of a minor, in some okay. aspect of HSA. Okay. Um, usually half of those classes are done at Harvey Mudd, and half of those classes are done at some combination of the other Claremont colleges.
0: Right.
1: Um, so it's, but it's, it's an intense program. You're in, you know, yeah. especially your first few years, you're in labs, you know, almost every afternoon. And then depending on what you major in, that'll be more or less as you move forward.
0: What's, um, what have you seen? What are some of your favorite combinations maybe of uh, mm. concentrations with the, with the engineering component?
1: Yeah, I think one of the interesting ones is we had a student who was an engineering major at Harvey Mudd and a dance in a dance, uh, in a dance uh, concentration at Scripps. <laughs> so um, so you know, awesome. again, part of right, part of the reason students come to us is because they right. don't want to give up all of the other stuff they want to do. But that's yeah. the, that was an interesting pairing. But a lot of them are doing things. You know, still the most popular um, concentration tends to be economics. Our students like numbers. Yep. Um, but yeah. you know, you they also might do um, a. Uh, a combination where they do um, math at Harvey Mudd and um, like a public policy um, yeah. major at Claremont McKenna or, you know, concentration at Claremont McKenna. So they, they usually try to build in some sort of, you know. right balance
0: there and how does that um affect i know that the complexity i mean i love what the consortium model does because yeah. um it really does change the complexion or the feel of what could be a very typical kind of liberal arts program not in mud's case exactly but right. you are getting this influx of people from different communities that are thinking mm-hmm. in different ways um, but uh what's that look like is that uh for students coming into mud do you have students who can actually major at your institution from outside of it
1: we do. Actually, students from any of the other Claremont colleges are allowed to major at Mud. Um, the exception has been engineering simply because there just literally is not enough time usually for a student from one of the right. other colleges to do an engineering major, but in any other things. That's true for all of the Claremont colleges with the exception of Pomona. Pomona does not allow its students to, um, to major at any of the other colleges, okay. partly because they were there first. <laughs> they have the broadest range of majors. So yeah, the only yeah. thing they really don't offer, because um, the general rule is if you are at a Claremont College and they offer the major you want, you have to yeah, major there. Right. You can only major um, otherwise. And, and, and Pomona has everything that the rest of us have, with the exception of engineering. Okay. Um, so, so, yeah, so that is, that is absolutely possible. One thing that we've been facing that I know has become a worldwide issue uh, is the demand for computer science. Right. So for the first time last year, um, the Pomona has its own computer science program, Harvey Mudd has its own, but the students from Claremont McKenna, um, Pitzer and Scripps had to tell their incoming students that they could not be guaranteed a place in Harvey Mudd's, um, and really, or Pomona's computer science program, okay. just because we need to be able to keep up with the demand from our own students.
0: So you have an engineering major, computer science major, and then what are the other eight?
1: Um, Bio, so there's biology, chemistry, and then there's a joint biochem major. Okay. Uh, there's computer science, math, a joint computer science, math major, uh, mathematical and computational biology, engineering, physics, and then a joint math physics major.
0: Okay. Um, and so I think in one of my challenges, I've only been in my position for a year. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I had all kinds of ideas. Um, coming into it, right? Uh, so um, that I'm not having to let go of. But one of my stubborn ideas is to try to convince students What's I think we all said in the admissions world or from my position when I was an admissions counselor mm-hmm. professional was, no, you really do have to sort of be a little bit vulnerable in bringing yourself forward in the application process. Like, mm-hmm. don't be afraid to tell your story. Don't be afraid to let your quirk out. Um, mm-hmm. But Especially as you can imagine, Hong Kong, that's kind of, even though I'm in an American international school, it's still culturally, you know, it's all about presentation and, you know, sort of putting that persona forward. So I'm I'm wondering maybe if, uh, and this is kind of, there was an article that was floating around for a while. I believe someone at Swarthmore wrote it um, about highly selective college admissions. And it's one of the things that stuck out that article to me was, him, uh, this gentleman saying, "Well, basically, seventy percent of everybody's applying to Swarthmore is academically viable. We could admit seventy yeah. percent of them." Um, so, so the, the article is really kind of trying to get into the nuts and bolts of the decision making process. And I wonder if you might, you know, just assuming that you have got your pool of applicants that are gonna, you know, that mm-hmm. will be academically successful, what are sort of the things that you're looking for?
1: Yeah, I think that the things that that end up standing out to us um, for a Harvey Mudd application, um, one is this idea of collaboration. Um, you know, we, we are not like Nobel prize people are lovely, but if you want to get to that level and sort of head off in one direction and not study anything else, we are not the place for you. And we are happy to tell students about that. And actually we talk a lot about, for example, really high level math students, our yield on them is not great because we're going to make them do other things. And we want you to want to do other things. So, so part of it is this, this willingness to work with others and not just willingness, but excitement for it. Um, and and not just to do your own work. Um, Another is this idea of breadth, and you need to be as excited about your work in the humanities, social sciences, and the arts as you are about your work in the technical fields. And that is something that rules out a huge number of STEM students. Um, Sometimes they don't know to say that, (laughs) Um, but that's one of the reasons we require of all students both a math science recommendation and a humanities, social sciences, Mm. and arts recommendation to get that balance. Um, that's another key piece of it. The other really key piece of it for us is um, not just that you want to work with others, but how do you treat your fellow, how do you treat your peers, how do you treat your community? Um, and so, what often jumps out to us in recommendations is our students, or the ones we admit, were the ones who um, who noticed that there was a new student in class. Who was struggling and befriended that person? Yeah. You know, they even though they may have been, you know, by ranking or whatever, at the very top of the class, they're yeah. the ones who notice when people need help. Right. And that goes back to that collaboration piece, but it's also an awareness of life yeah. just sort of beyond yourself. And so those are the things that we look for in recommendations that we pick up on in either the activities that you choose to do, or um, or what you write about in your essays. Yeah. Sort
0: of. Okay, that's great. That's great to hear. Um, and, and you don't have to answer this question, but I, <laughs> since I know how yeah. the sausage is made, yeah. I'm really curious do you wanna, um, if you could bring any anecdotes. I don't know how your com- committee structure works, but mm-hmm. you know, I've got my own favorite stories about the student I was really advocating for and why um, mm-hmm. in the committee process. If you have like sort of a, a fun anecdote you could bring to the conversation.
1: Wow. I know, I'm trying to think.
0: Or let me give you some some other lines of inquiry that might um, spark something out. Uh, Maybe your favorite student story of an applicant that you were reading, or you could go into the best essay. What was sort of the topic or the gist of what you felt like was a really great essay that you connected with?
1: I I mean, I think that the essays often that turn out to be the best are the ones that surprise you. And I don't mean that it's on a surprising topic because very little surprises me these days. (laughs) But that's why it's sometimes the the essays that are on the topics that you see all the time that take an unexpected turn. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, actually, I, I do think back in some ways to, to Sarah Lawrence. Um, it was, you know, we at Sarah Lawrence when I was there, <laughs> One of the, the common essay topics, we called it the TCML essay, which stood for Theater Changed My Life. <laughs> and it was about, you know you, I'm oh, sure you yeah. saw them at oh, Bennington, yeah. but, uh, but the idea of, you know, the spotlight hit my face and I knew I was going to be on stage right. And, right. and whatever. Um, and again, it was very true for kids and it really resonated with them. But one of my favorite essays was this young woman, I can still remember her name, um, who essentially she'd gotten the lead in every part every play she'd ever had and she went up to the cast list for a play and sure enough there was her name and she went to go pick up a script from the director and the director was like we're short of scripts right now but you don't so you're not going to give you one right now because you don't have any lines <laughs> she <was> like, <laughs> and she, she was very funny but she just she wrote an essay about what does it mean to, to be part of a cast and not yeah. have any lines and you know it was, it's is also sort of a a a willingness to share, you know, a a weakness, a willingness to see. like at first I was like, well, forget that. I'm not going to do this. But I mean, that was one of my favorite, one of my other, some of my other favorite essays, even though most students who take a gap year will, will apply and then get admitted and take a gap year. This was uh, two of them have been students who actually had taken a gap year and then applied because what you have to write about after a gap year is fascinating. Right. And one of the students, um, worked in an arts and crafts store for a year and she just talked about the people with whom she came in contact and what she learned from each. And I remember the last sentence of that essay was um, the most important thing I learned during that year was that everything is better with glitter. (laughs) 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 And another student, honestly, and this may not be appropriate, but the other student wrote an essay about going to, going to bartender school. Yeah. And it was a phenomenal essay because again, he was interacting with people who were, completely outside his world and again what he learned from them and so these you know these are the stories i think that that often resonate with us but yes i mean all of us as we're going through you know as you know when you're sitting in committee you're like oh it's the kid who wrote about you know yeah right and that ends up defining you it's not the oh it's the kid who got a b in, you know in calculus it's oh it's the kid who wrote about their summer in whatever and that's usually like the summer working at mcdonald's or something
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's, uh, I used to work for an um, arts college in Seattle called Cornish College of the Arts. Okay, so yeah. visual performing arts. Very familiar with, you know, <laughs> I stepped, walked out onto stage, you know, the <laughs> curtains parted. Right. Sort of a I thing. Used to do, I used
1: to perform for my parents' friends. <laughs> yeah, ever
0: since I was born, I came out singing or whatever it was. Right. Um, which, I mean, you appreciate the, uh, the sentiment, but... Um, It is sort of like, it's not, it doesn't read as as authentic. And when you're, usually it's kind of like the design thinking, you know, your first 50 ideas are probably going to be the same as someone else's. It's the 51st and the 52nd idea that starts getting a little bit more interesting.
1: Um, I do do like the anecdote or the advice that, you know, has been going around for years and years and years where, you know, your essay should be something that if you drop it in the hall of your school and someone picks it up, they'll be able to say, oh, this must be so-and-so's. So even if it is on a common topic, there's something about it that it, that it puts you into it.
0: You know, um, you know actually now at Harvey never Mudd it's that. about.
1: Oh yeah, I think it's. Oh no, I think yeah, I don't that's came up with it. I can't take credit for it, but I think it's. I think it's. You know, it's absolutely important. And you know, for us at Harvey Mudd, like when I was at Sarah Lawrence, I used to get so excited about the Eagle Scout essays because we didn't get a whole lot. Of yeah. It. Now at Harvey Mudd, we get tons of Eagle Scout essays, yeah. and you know we've become very you know sort of. Interested in what the different projects that people do and how they talk about it and why they've done it Because yeah. some students especially do a great job talking about what it actually means to them and not just the project itself
0: Right, they're not using it as like a badge of honor to try to brag themselves into mm-hmm. admission the other maybe the last one is um, if you had any sort of tips for our grade 11 students who are just rising into this mm-hmm. this process
1: I mean, I think one of the main things is, and it's not necessarily a tip, but I hope it's reassuring, is this idea that literally right now, as a student is not changing a thing, not getting any other grades or joining other clubs or whatever, there are literally hundreds of colleges that want you the way you are. Right. Um, You know, I think this, this tendency that students have to spend, especially their senior year, but unfortunately far more than that, I think, of twisting themselves into some sort of pretzel to become something they think we want when they have no idea who we are, um, I think can be so detrimental to their mental health. And all we really care about is that by the time you get to us in whatever form that is, that you are, you know, you're curious, you're ready to engage, um, you know, with your own mind and with, with others around you and whatever that looks like, you know, I don't, I don't, the other piece of, you know, sort of, I guess, reassuring pieces is you don't have to, Um, you don't have to be outgoing. (laughs) You you don't have to be a leader. There are plenty of places that are going to want that sort of balance of a community, and that's what it's about. And if if students are honest with us about who they are, then we will make a much more informed decision about whether or not they're going to be a good fit for our institution. Yeah. Um, and that I mean, because I think, and I also think for the juniors this year, I've been doing a lot of junior virtual junior parent nights.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and. I hope they know I, how much grace is going to be shown to this in this class. Yeah, right. Um, you know, we're not gonna have the same expectations. Um, I think it's a wake up call for all of us, but we're not gonna have the same expectations of what they've done. Right. Um, we're not even gonna have the same expectations about how they've thought about this um, you know, we're gonna, I think we're all going to be sort of in this together trying to figure it out. And I think, again, it's kind of exciting because you do have to relearn how we do all this. What's it going to look like next year? I've got no idea. Um, so yeah, so I think those are the, those are the main things is that they should be reassured that, that we know, um, we know that this is not a normal year and that it's not going to be a normal year for us either.
0: Uh, But again, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And, um, I know we'll have at least one applicant next year. So,
1: wonderful well feel All free right. to put them in touch
0: okay thank you so right. and it's thyra sure. is that Tyra. It? it's actually
1: tira tira
0: okay yeah it sounds
1: strangely <laughs>
0: well tira thank you so much for joining me and um take care we'll be in touch right. sounds good bye bye